ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकाया चक्षुरुन्मीलित जैन थजम श्रीगुरव नम मुखम करोलंघाते गिरी यत्तमंदे श्रीगुरुंदीनताम निंदुलकोत्कन विकसापसुनच्चवी प्रोद्विकुजद्वयम हरिहरिदंतमु नृत्यमसु निर्जर चये सिंचतमूर्वीतल गायत निजफरसदाय परिवृतम श्रीगौरचंद्रम नुमा आनंदलीलामा विग्रहा हेमावदिव्यस्थविसुंदरा थुजमाय महाप्रेमसा चैतन्यचंद्रा नमो नमस्ते सो आई वॉन्ट टू रीड फ्रॉम अ थॉक गिवन बाय श्रील गुरु महाराज दैट कवर्स मेनी सब्जेक्ट मैटर्स बट begins with the <clears throat> memorable phrase that all the phases of the infinite are infinite so for the finite it will not be possible through gradual progress to go to the highest that will be a waste of energy <clears throat> so the starting point really is um as guru maharaj recalls the time he was preaching and a man said to him uh you know if the finite can know the infinite he's not infinite right and guru maharaj's immediate response to him was if the infinite cannot make himself known to the finite he's not infinite sometimes when he would tell this he'd say then shook his hand like and left <laughs> but that point this is the the starting point that has to be grasped right is <clears throat> like sri la rupa goswami's famous verse atak sri krishna namadi nabhyad graham indriye sri krishna namadi he thinks so the name of krishna the form of krishna right the divine form of krishna we say yang shama sundaram chandraguna swarupam the qualities of krishna achintya guna inconceivable qualities right nama rupa guna leela the pastimes of krishna right that you know reality is for itself and by itself they're not causal effectual right? like the observable phenomena of this world so he's saying these four things krishna's name form qualities and pastimes atakshri krishna nama namadi nabhavyet grahyam indre they're beyond the grasp of the senses which includes the mind so does that mean that um they there's something abstract and personal or imaginary no he talks because no no uh 
save on muke hijivaro shayameva spuritada. He said, but through the submissive heart infused with serving tendency means offering oneself, not trying to consume, to re, uh, retain the position of a consumer or consuming unit, but rather reconfiguring oneself as a dedicating unit. Submissives, not uh, arrogant, assertive, right? trying to establish oneself as a absolute center, and then from that position to expand the circumference of one's exploiting capacity, but rather through dedication to the absolute center, offering oneself through submission, sevan mukhe hijjavaru shayam eva then he may consent uh, to reveal himself. So, um, uh, the, the point Guru Mahārāj has made, can, uh, if the infinite cannot make itself known to the finite, he's not infinite. When uh, we ha- had a mind to collect all the things that Śrīla Guru Mahārāj said on the subject of Guru and make a book, <clears throat> which was a great necessity at the time, it's a great necessity at this time. Um, always Sri Guru and His Grace. So, but hearing Guru Mahārāj say so many original um, uh, concepts and phrases, sayings, <clears throat> I told him I was thinking of calling the book uh, guru, heavier than the Himalayas, or Himalaya, if there are any Hindi listeners. <laughs> Himaloy. Right? Right, guru, heavier than the Himalayas. I thought, if I saw a book like that in a bookstore, I would at least pick it up and like look through it. So I was thinking like from a marketing perspective, but when I said that to Srila Guru Maharaj, and remember, that comes from him. When I was a teenager reading Bhagavad Gita, and that the Vibhuti chapter and others were, of this, I'm that, of, you know, I would try and guess before, you know, what it would be. And when he said, uh, uh, I thought of mountains, he was going to say, I'm Everest. But instead it said, you know, Meru or Sumeru. And then it said, of immovable objects, I'm the Himalayas. So, what does Guru Mahārāj say? Guru, which means heavy. The disciple is called Lagu, which means light. So, Guru means heavy, Lagu means light. That's why Lagu needs to connect with Guru. What does it mean in the sense of heavy? Cannot be moved. Moved by what? Misconception. Tasmad gurum prapadyeta jigyasu shreya uttamam 
So fixed and spiritual realization cannot be moved by any amount of misconception, is not seduced by misconception. So immovable, heavy in that way. So what does Srila Guru say, who's always giving something fresh and original? How heavy? Heavier than the Himalayas. And I remember sometimes flying from Delhi to Russia, that depending on the path they take, I remember one time specifically the pilot saying, if you look out the right side of the airplane, you can see the Himalayas. And and not moved by any misconception, how heavy are they? The rains come, snow come, it doesn't matter what the weather conditions are, they are unmoved. So Guru, heavier than the Himalayas. So that came from him. But when I suggested it, Guru Maharaj said, that is a partial conception. And then I said, well, then what would be, you know, the, the more perfect? And he said, Sri Guru and His Grace. And he said, I wrote one uh, article for the Harmonist in the times of Srila Saraswati Thakur Gaudiyamat. And there, and Srila Gurudev was with us at this meeting, and he, he used to call it, to err is human. He wouldn't call it Sri Guru and His Grace. He'd go, oh, to err is human. There's many times Sri Gurudev said he learned English, many were his English vocabulary, listening to Sri Gurumars speak English. And that was an English article. And it begins with, to err is human. To err is inevitable for all being not perfect. So in the Charitamritam, in the Adi Leela, in two places, we find the uh, verse <clears throat> Brahm Pramad Vipralipsha Karnapatava, addressing the four defects. I mean, Brahm means uh, mistakes, to error is human. Right? Pramad means illusion, uh, Vipralipsha means cheating. But interestingly, Guru Maharaj, he's always drawing something fresh. So we think cheating, all right. But Guru Maharaj says, it also means self-deception. Because that's what real cheating is. You're deceiving yourself. You may be deceiving others, but the worst type is self-deception. And then in another place he says, prejudice. We always hear Srila Guru Maharaj talking about um, uh, acquired prejudice, right? how we need to dispense with acquired prejudice. So, vipralipsha, then karanapattava, means sensory inefic- inefficiency, the limitations of sense experience. And he'll speak about that, reference that a- in a minute. So there, in the intro, he's saying, to err is human, to err is inevitable for all being not perfect. 
But then he says something very interesting. He said, still there is an element within us that seeks perfection. Right? Even though it's a common expression, you know, nobody's perfect. Right? We, we, that's our default uh, position, is that nobody's perfect. We don't expect it. But paradoxically, there's this element within us that is always seeking perfection. So then Guru Maharaj makes the point, if that was something you were capable of on your own, right, you could achieve or bestow perfection upon yourself, then you'd have it. Right? Because we're always seeking, then we'd have it by now. Right? But to this day, you know, and, and the history of human civilization, everyone will say, ah, nobody's perfect. Right? He's saying, so uh, the, the only way to achieve the, the, the uh, how do you say, the act or, uh, of delivering perfection, that, that comes from the perfect. The perfect can do that. The perfect can bring you in connection with perfection. That means revealed truth. He's saying, so this um, necessity of ours, these two, recognizing that we are imperfect, yet seeking perfection, he said, makes room for Guru, right? who's an agent of the perfect, moving in this world, uh, giving connection with the perfect. So, Brahmanda Brahmite Kona Bhagavan Jeev, Guru Krishna Prasade Pai Bhakti Lata Bij. Brahmanda Brahmite, it says, wandering the length and breadth of the universe, we should be reminded, there's the objective world, uh, but when we talk about the universe, really we mean the world of misconception. Right? From, you know, ah, Brahma Bhuvana, Loka, Punar, Avartanurjana. Right? From the lowest to the highest, even to Brahma Loka, it said, Avarinchi Amangalam. There's even, you know, a certain level of inauspiciousness in Brahma Loka or in the position of Brahma because he has to deal with the mundane, however subtle. So when it says Brahmanda Brahmite, wandering in the, the Brahmanda, the world of misconception, how Jalaja Navalakani, Stavaralaka Vingshati, Krimaya Rudra Sankhika, so many aquatics, um, trees, plants, birds, insects, Chatur Lakani Manushaha. 400,000 human, the human uh, life, even most rare within the world of misconception. So, wandering the length and breadth of the world of misconception, Kona Bhagavan Jeev, those fortunate souls, what? Guru Krishna Prashade Pai Bhakti Lata Bij. Right? So, he says in this way, there is an arrangement to send his agent here to the lowest class, somehow try to have that connection 
Right? So if we can imagine, you know, from the central conception of the infinite and the highest section of the spiritual reality that by Krishna's supremely merciful will, he will send an agent who will appear in the world of misconception. <clears throat> Try to have that connection. Avoiding all these environmental circumstances. Try to have a direct connection and to go, to be recruited from there by the agent of that highest layer. Like when we heard recently in the Ramananda Samban, when Mahaprabhu was saying, how, how do you achieve the ultimate goal of life? And Ramananda is quoting the Gita and other scriptures, and Mahaprabhu keeps saying, that's external, that's external. But when he says, Jnane prayasamurapasanamanta eva, jivanti sanmukharitam babadiyabhartam, Whatever your position is, when he says, ignore all these environmental circumstances, connect with his agent, begin hearing from him, then you have a connection with reality. Right? Then you can come out of the world of misconception and start making progress toward uh, the real world. So he says, <clears throat> the agent of that highest layer. Now with regard to the material world, he says, there is no end to the culture of material knowledge, no end of the lower consciousness of investigating things that have no knowledge, like the fossil, earth, etc., things without knowledge. And there is also a stage of knowledge, knowing, in so many things it is found, the sphere of knowledge. And devoid of knowledge, there's also existence. We may go on with our research about stone, iron, so many minerals. We may go on with the association of those researching there. We may use our knowledge only in analysis to get anything, any benefit from them. That is the culture of matter. And also we can, I remember we're at, uh, uh, where is the place where Jagannath Express is? Kuznetsky Most, right? And Abhidut Mars would arrange these uh, exhibitions there and somehow I always would get the prime time spot for speaking because <laughs> they think he is neutrally just organizing this event. <laughs> but we're, I was there with one of the devotees and someone came up to us and he was very proud, you know, he, was, he said, I'm a physicist, so I, I you know, I can, can give you some insight to all these things. I said, no, that, that, no, you're disqualified, right? You're dealing with the physical, the objective world, that is of no use when it comes to understanding the subjective world and the super-subjective world. So Guru Maharaj says, we can engage ourselves in the inquiry of the products of so many men. This book, that book, that book, <laughs> that book. 
We may go on reading, reading, reading what is in the area of knowing, of the knowledge of this world, or of the world after. We can pass our time and energy in connection with that. But we are advised not to dive, not to lose yourself, not to be lost in the quest of that experience. Paroksha Anubhuti means the experience of others. There was a girl from San Francisco going to the university there visiting Srila Guru Maharaj. And so Guru Maharaj says, oh, and what are you studying? And she said, philosophy. And Guru Maharaj said, oh, diving deep into ignorance. <laughs> so he says, be, but we are advised not to dive deep into ignorance, not to lose yourself, not to be lost in the quest of that experience, paroksha anubhuti. Uh, and here we should mention pratyaksha, paroksha, aparoksha, adhoksaja, aprakrita. So, back to the brahm pramad vipralipsha karna patava, the four divas, individual experience. So we understand the limitations of individual experience. Uh, so that leads us to seek guidance from others, right? Shared experience, right? Or uh, collective experience. Right? And not just current collective experience, but, you know, of all time, right? Those who have lived before us, inherited uh, human wisdom, right? So that comes under the category of paroksha, para-aksha, pratyaksha. Aksha means eyes or seeing. Pratya means direct experience. What you say. Para-aksha means what is seen by others. Right? You can add that to your experience. But then uh, there's another plane called Aparoksha. Those who believe that, like we're, I mentioned before, Guru Maharaj is always saying we need to uh, cleanse ourselves of acquired prejudice and acquired tendency. Like the poet Blake says, when the doors of perception are cleansed, we'll see everything as it is infinite. So the senses means the doors of perception. So there's uh, like the impersonalist Shankara school, the Mayavadis, they will say, actually, aparoksha, you need a, a tabula rasa to just cleanse the slate completely of all experience, of any kind of experience. Right. <clears throat> uh, so, and, and Guru Maharaj will mention this. So he says, um, don't be lost there in the realm of paroksha anubhuti, paroksha jnanam, what is experienced by others. But surrender, try to surrender. Understand the utility and fineness and superiority of surrendering to the true agent that is sent from above to you in the descending method, srota, Revelation. <clears throat> so it's sometimes called 
srotapanta, right? The path of by hearing through revelation, we hear Veda Mata. Why are Vedas described as mother? Right? In this context, because the mother is, uh, gives you authority, authoritative information that, that doesn't require you to verify or research, like the identity of your father on the strength of the authority, uh, the authoritative voice of the mother on this subject, you can accept, you don't have to research that. Just hearing from her, you can get knowledge. And this is important for us to understand. Through hearing, you can gain knowledge that is beyond your experience. Even in the mundane sense, what we just mentioned, paroksha, hearing from others, you get knowledge that's beyond your experience. That's even true within the objective world. So what to speak about the subjective world? So if we embrace this principle and understand through the process of hearing from an authority, or in this case, you know, an authorized agent of the absolute, you can get knowledge that is beyond your limited experience of the limited world. And this is especially vital when we're trying to educate ourselves uh, about the infinite or the subjective, super-subjective world. <clears throat> and there's also the verse that says, Saying the spiritual path is navigated, you see by hearing. That's how you see spiritually, through hearing, through sound. The objective world uh, will deceive us. Don't be enchanted by the knowledge that has evolved from here. Aroha panta. That means the ascending process, empiric knowledge derived from sense experience discovered, researched, the research scholars, dismiss them. Try to capture revealed truth which is coming from the perfect realm to save you. Remember, the perfect making itself known to the imperfect. And just as a footnote, Guru said about the imperfect, otherwise known as us, <laughs> he said, a part of the perfect appears to be imperfect. And this world. <clears throat> Try to connect with that and you will be infinitely more benefited than to pass through the pratyaksha and paroksha knowledge. The impersonalist Shankara school says, a paroksha is not any type of knowledge, it is something like sound sleep. But Ramanuj and other Vaishnava charges say, yes, there is a domain where the basis is devotion, surrender, and high, that higher knowledge, more than beauty, ananda sundar. Right? That means beauty and ecstasy, that sort. Knowledge is meager, greater is anandam. Right? Happiness ecstasy. 
by surrendering, by devotional tendency, you can come in touch with that higher form of life, that prem, divine love. Prem is categorically different from knowledge. Knowledge may seem to be a very strange thing to you in comparison with fossils. This present civilization is mad with fossil analysis, taking out so many things for technology. They are very particular about this apparent side, the objective world of experience. <laughs> and then Srila Gurmara says, they have spoiled the moon. <laughs> The moon had some venerable position, respectable position, and a beautiful position in the hearts of so many. But the conception of the moon is spoiled by these scientists. No charm. The moon is a lump of stone and mud or something like that. But the former poets, what was their outlook about the moon? They were drawn to the moon. That is also part of civilization. That is also necessary in poetry. It is also important for the newly married couple. <laughs> he means the honeymoon. <laughs> and by the way, the honeymoon, what they're referring to is like the moon that's full and then gradually it becomes less and less and less. So it's something interesting to note. <laughs> Suppose we, and uh, one uh, writer, Anais Nin, she wrote many books, she's a 20th century thinker, she said that about scientists, she said, they analyze human warmth into chemical substance. That's what they do. Here, groomers. Suppose we analyze the charm of the male figure for women or the charm of the woman's figure for the male. If it is analyzed in a medical laboratory, what is there? Flesh and blood and bone. But can they check the charm? Is it not real? It is more real. The charm the beauty of a boy, a newborn babe, all these things. This is also part of the world and part of pleasure and pain. We cannot ignore that. But of everything they say, this analysis is the truth and this is all false. And this has captured the main portion of human pleasure and pain, this analysis of mundane substance all necessary to promote the pleasure of the society. And will anyone agree that the charm of the woman's body may be abolished and only what we shall get through dissection, only that valuation will be attached to them? No one will give such consent. Rather, we shall remain in the land of imagination. We don't want this stern reality. You, chemist, you, physician, get out from here. You're, you've taken all the charm of my life. <laughs> so what is what? What is what? Their business is the machine, machinery information, data, the computer, 
And then he says, he's searching for the word robot and he says, what is machine man? <laughs> Hare, and then Gurmur says, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Gore, Hare Ball. I just, to do, a, I did a count. You know, when Srila Gurmur speaks, how often he will conclude a section, then he'll start chanting, Gore Hari Bol, Nitai Gore Hari Bol, Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. So in this talk, he says, the, quote, takes the name of Goranga over 40 times. Right? Krishna around 36. Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Dev. So it reminds me when Srila Saraswati Thakur would be touring the Gaudiya Mat, uh, printing press and see some proofs of articles about to be published in different magazines. And they'd start telling him about a, a particular article and he would say, uh, how many times did he mention the name Krishna? How many times did he mention the name Goranga? And if it was a lot, he said, it's a good article. So sometimes we get too clever for our own good, but whenever possible, we should remember <laughs> to take the name of Krishna, to mention the name of Krishna to others. Sometimes when people meet us and we're telling them, they go like, what is this? And just like, the first thing I say to them, Krishna. Instead of getting into a big, long explanation, I mean, I usually do anyway, but I like to start with the single, <laughs> most succinct, what is it, it's Krishna, <laughs> Krishna consciousness. So, uh, and in this regard, we know the fine folks at Google Right? who they're trying to make, all, they're the ultimate paroksha uh, people, paroksha machine. Right? Their offers, we want to make the sum total of human knowledge available to everyone for free. Right? I mean, with ads, you know, because someone has to pay for it. But but we're giving it to you for free. Right? The price is uh, your privacy. <laughs> that we will, that's all we're asking you to pay for, is that we will know everything about you. Right? But that's a minor point or a side point. There, so their idea is that to make the sum total of, like they'll say, we're going to scan all the books of the world. Imagine all the books of the world available to you. Someone pointed out, like, it, it's not possible to read all the books of the world. You understand? If you had them all and started, now you couldn't, a small percentage, if you just read 24 hours a day, uh, a small percentage of all the books of the world would be read by you. So that's not their real idea. 
but they were afraid if they told people, revealed to people their actual ideas that people would freak out. So they marketed it in this way, like all the books of the world, or you know, you'll be able to search the sum total of human knowledge and that kind of thing. But there is something that can read all of the books of the world or possess all of that data. There's a distinction between data and knowledge and realization, wisdom, etc. data. And what is that in the words of Gurmars? The machine man, the robot. So we hear like scientists from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, say that uh, what you, if you want long-term uh, longevity in this world or near eternity, we're in Hiranyakashipu region, uh, I'm saying what you need to do is scan yourself, your mind, right? then make a backup, and then download that scan of your mind into a machine man, into a robot made out of diamonds. They, and when they would s s say to them, like, well, what do you do with your body? And they go, you don't need, the body is so messy. <laughs> you don't need one. <laughs> So he's saying this uh, like 40 years ago. Yeah. So he's saying, reverence to God, to the sadhu, saints. Science will say, no, no, that is all idle imagination. Then what is real? The reality, the physical strength of one over the other, that is the be-all and end-all of our life to predominate over the environment? Is that to be the be-all and end-all? What for? What for all these things? Uh, then, so he says, uh, a few days ago, it was said that America wants a one-state world. One must be so powerful that being afraid of them, everyone will lead a life of submission. No apprehension of war or any disturbance. Previously, it was something like that. But there is no solution. Now it is not possible. It is almost impossible, a one-state world. Acquire more power to make a one-state world, and then it will be peaceful. Peace will reign in the world. That is all mania, impractical, wild goose chasing. And for those who may not be familiar with wild goose chasing, <laughs> it means a foolish and hopeless pursuit of something unattainable. Gyane prayasamudapasanamanta eva jivanti sanmukaritam bhavadiyabartam 
This is that verse, the first one accepted by Mahaprabhu in his talk with Ramananda, where he said, Iho hoi, this I accept, age kohuhar, go dive deeper. And Guru Maharaj explains it in this way, he says, learn to be humble, modest, that is the path to come in connection with the superior. Right? I've said many times that what is humility? The uh, perceived proximity of greatness, the perception that you're in the proximity of greatness, something greater than yourself. Right? When that perception is real, genuine, then automatically you're filled with uh, feelings of humility. Uh, so he says, uh, if you want a real connection with the superior, qualify yourself with the quality of that of a slave. So Gurumaraj is not afraid to use this word. And I made a note, invite by submissive spirit is the point that he's making. But <clears throat> we're, the word slave uh, you know, makes people very uncomfortable. Or <laughs> but, you know, in, in the etymology of the word, it's funny, you know, um, we'll... Uh, have to take help from our Italian friends. So, what do the Italians say for hello and goodbye? Ciao. Right. So, what, and if you look, where does the word ciao come from? It says from, uh, what is it? Schiavo, something like that. It means slave. And it was a way previously of saying, I'm your slave, I'm your slave. That would be it. So in the world, in this world, they say, you know, ciao bella to women. So you can say to some girl, right, I'm your slave, right? That's cool. But if you want to say, I'm your slave to divinity, well, you know, we're not going to degrade ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nobody's slave. <laughs> right? I'm, a, you know, an executive assistant. <laughs> right? So only when it comes to divinity, then we recoil from that. But in dealing with each other, we can say, I'm your slave. I'm your slave. <laughs> then it's fine. But what, why were they saying that? Why would, what would lead them to say such a thing to begin with? Again, it's, this, it's, it's a way of expressing how much uh, regard you have for the other and how much you're willing to submit yourselves to them. You, we would say it is an expression of affection or love and affection, to an extreme degree. <clears throat> as much as we are submissive, 
as much as we are surrendered, we will be taken with much earnestness, much adoration. We will be accepted with adoration. So go to acquire the limit of slave quality and you will be adored as much in the higher quarter. So in the Gita, Krishna says, Yeyatamam prapadyante tongstataiva bhajamyaham. As they um, surrender themselves to me, I reciprocate that. This part we forget. We just get, how do you say, um, obsessed with the slave part. The, you know, the, the, we recoil, the resistance we have to that. But what you're being told here is, and, and this isn't even a, um, a fair or equitable transaction. So if the finite will offer itself in slavery or submission to the infinite, what comes in uh, response to that? The infinite becomes the slave of the finite. Hare Krishna unthinkable. What we're recoiling from, Sri Krishna Karshinichasa, in the presence of devotion, or mentioned previously by Gaurav, Prem, the highest type of devotion, that Krishna, uh, all attractive Krishna, Kandar Pakoti Kamani Abhishesha Shobham, Cupid times 10 million in terms of charm, seductive charm, attraction. That Krishna is irresistibly drawn in attraction to a drop of devotion in the heart of a finite soul. So, and it bears mentioning if that is Krishna's response to devotion, is to offer himself. Right? And, and we're talking about re- reciprocal degrees of devotion. Right? But in the case of the Braja Gopis, the supreme devotees, he says, Napareham niravajasam yudram. What the sort of devotion that you have in your hearts is so inconceivably valuable that you're, you make me break my promise that I made in the Bhagavad Gita, that I reciprocate. Because what you have is so great. I can't, even by giving myself to you in my entirety, it wouldn't be appropriate, the kind of love that you have in your hearts. That's what Krishna says about the Braja Gopis. <clears throat> So, from the highest quarter, the higher region that we are meant for, qualify yourself in that way. The highest quarter you may earn by your submission. If you really want this sphere which is higher and higher than you, the only way Try to acquire the submissive nature, the humility necessary to come to that higher plane. 
Like Guru Maharaj often equates humility with negativity. So if we take it that Krishna is the supreme positive, he's drawn to the negativity of humility, not arrogant self-assertion, right? but submissive, humble, dedicating tendency. And now Guru Maharaj comes to the point. Admit that you are gross, you are of lower stuff. And in this regard, <laughs> in St. Petersburg, in Lakta, because we're thinking, there, there are so many new, new recruits to Krishna consciousness who, in my words, you know, voyeuristically envision themselves as super servitors. So don't take this in the wrong way. <laughs> but he actually said this in St. Petersburg. Gurudev said, First realize that you are a worm in a bucket of stool. That's what he said. That's not very pleasant. <laughs> but that's what he said. With great authority and certainty. He said, first realize that you are a worm in a bucket of stool and then make progress from there. He said, well, oh, that is so offensive to say, to suggest, in polite company. But we're told in the Bhagavatam, the sadhu, one sadhu who cuts sharply with sometimes unpleasant language, is breaking attachment. So if there, there's our ego resists that, but we say, quoting Guru Maharaj, the greatest literature to have ever seen the light of day in all time, all space, and all circumstances comes from whom? Who's the medium for that? Srila Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami Prabhu. What does he say? Jagai madhai hoite muise papishta I'm more sinful than Jagai and Madhai. I'm lower than the worm in the stool. Oh, just got outdone by Kaviraj Goswami. What we're so resistant and think is so unpleasant and we cannot say that first realize you're a worm and a bug. Kaviraj Goswami, I'm lower than the worm in the stool who is so great, who has an eternal position in the uppermost region of the Aprakrita world of Krishna, who also wrote the Govinda Lilamritam. That Kaviraj Goswami says these things. How can we harmonize that? So I said this Srila Guru Maharaj once, that and I was saying, uh, I said, you know, I said, <laughs> I said it's one thing, if Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says this, you know, uh, and let's say, and I'll go with the first line, you know, about being more sinful than Jagai and Madhai. And I said to Guru I said, what if you actually are? I mean, he, you know, he's talking like that. <laughs> I said, what if you actually are more sinful than Jagai and Madhai? I was thinking about myself. And uh, 
Guru Maharaj's response was very interesting. Two things. One is he said, oh no, he said, he said what he is expressing is a sincere, um, you know, um, ex uh, expression. It's, it's sincere, it's from his heart. He's not being clever uh, with language, right? Um, and so that's one thing he said. It is a sincere expression from the heart of Kaviraj Goswami. But then he told me, he said, um, he said, oh, such feelings are descending in you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in where is the place where Malini and Leela Shakti lived? Is it called Novi Sibirsk? Is that such a place? Is that a town? Yeah. All right, and it's very cold there. And all right. Right. It qualifies as Siberia. Okay. <laughs> so I was there looking out the window in December. It was like minus 30, something like that. Because one couple were visiting and her, and her husband said, you know, it was minus 40. And his wife said, don't listen to him. It wasn't more than minus 30. <laughs> it was cold. And outside the window, snow on everything, on the ground, on the trees, snowing, just everything was white. Right? And I was thinking how Guru Maharaj equates uh, humility with negativity. Uh, so, and I'd heard about superconductors right? that certain ceramics, right, when they're brought to uh, absolute zero, the temperature, which is something like minus 350 centigrade or Fahrenheit, at that point it almost doesn't matter. Right? When the ceramic is brought to uh, absolute zero, or that level of negativity, it achieves superconductivity, right? which means there's no resistance to current. Right? So uh, you could say those who are uh, newly, particularly newly connected with Krishna consciousness, <clears throat> there's some resistance to divine current, right? to the suggestion that is coming to us, Saru, Shastra, Guru, Vaishnav. Right? And like the wires, when there's resistance, they, they give off heat, right? So they cover them in rubber or plastic or whatever it is. If there's too much resistance, they, uh, melt. Right? I can't how, handle it. Right? And what is it? The resistance? Ego. 
Right. Srila Prabhupada, in one place, I think, put it perfectly. He called it causeless unwillingness. <laughs> There's one thing to be on, and he's saying, causeless unwillingness. We just don't want to. <laughs> and that is our misfortune. Uh, but if we take the example of the superconductor and see that the perception of the proximity of greatness, what to speak of infinite greatness, that we get by hearing from Sadhu, Shastra, Guru, and Vaishnava, and by serving Sadhu, Shastra, Guru, and Vaishnava, some impression comes to us, then automatically that resistance is softened or lowered. Right? And there's some level of negativity. But in the case of Kaviraj Goswami, his negativity or humility has approached absolute zero. There is zero resistance to divine current on his part. So he achieves superconductivity. And what passes through him? Sri Chaitanya Charitamritam. In the case of Srila Prabhupada, Swami Maharaj, he says, while reading Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, Gita, Vyavasayatmika Budhi, Ekeha Kurunandana, where it's talking about the sort of resolute determination to pursue Krishna consciousness. He says, reading Vishwanath's commentary, Prabhupada had an epiphany. And he said, he realized that his raison d'etre, he didn't say that, you know, the you know, reason for being, his existence, he existed to fulfill the order of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. That his life became synonymous with fulfilling the order of his Guru Maharaj. Sometimes Prabhupada would say, I'm blindly following my Guru. My Guru Maharaj said, that I blindly follow that. I don't know what is the result. Well, the result is the worldwide spreading of the Krishna consciousness movement, fulfilling Saraswati Thakur's order, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's prediction, and the um, and Mahaprabhu Gauranga Sundar. He says, I do not know what is the result. <laughs> but everyone else knows what the result is. So he had zero resistance to divine current. Vilasatu hridi nityam bhakti siddhanta vani. The divine voice and instructions of Srila Saraswati Thakur playing upon his heart. I mean, what he, his deep heart's core, what his, his constant meditation. Right? So, and what does Guru Maharaj say? He wholly emptied himself of any other desire or consideration than the order of his Guru Maharaj, of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said. So much so that what? He achieves superconductivity. Divine power comes down and works on his behalf. 
That's the result of uh, exploring the limits of slave mentality. That Krishna becomes the slave of the devotee. Right? That is where devotion is to be found, where the infinite comes under the control of the finite. Hare Krishna. I'll just stop at this point. Hori Horai Namo Krishna Yadavaya Namaha. Hori Horai Namo Krishna Yadavaya Namaha. Yadavaya Madavaya Keshavaya Namaha. Gopal Govinda Ram Sri Madhusudan Giridhari Gopinath Madana Mohan Sri Chaitanya Nityananda Sri Advaita Chandra Garadhara Sri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Jai Rupa Sanatan Bhakta Raghunath Sri Jiva Gopala Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Echai gochai kori charana vandan Jaha hoite vignana shabhista puran Echai gochai jar muitarodas Tansabhara padarinu mora pancha grans Tandera charan sevi bhakta sane vas Janame janame morei avilans Echai Goshai Jabe Braje Koilovas Radha Krishna Nitya Lila Korila Prakash Anande Bolo Hari Vaja Vrindavan Sri Guru Vaishnava Pade Majai Amon Sri Guru Vaishnava Pade Padma Koriyas Hare Nam Sankirtan Kohe Naratamadas Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare.
हरे रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे हरे